the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3 on your drive home, it is such a privilege and uh, honor to have uh, another in-studio guest here uh, with us today. His second time with us, and that's Mr. Tom Lewis. Uh, Many of you know him from uh, the T.W. Lewis Foundation, which he started. Many of you uh, know him from uh, the controversies at ASU over... Uh, the institution in his name, the Lewis Center, that we've spent a lot of time talking about here with Ann Atkinson and some others, uh, and the free speech issues over at ASU. But uh, one of the things we had not talked about with Mr. Lewis in as much depth as I wanted to last time was a very important book he wrote called Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. And when you think of all the troubles we talk about on this show with our youth and children and young adults and We kind of think of ourselves as an advice show in certain respects. I wanted to plumb some of that book of Mr. Lewis's with him. So, first of all, thanks for coming back, and thanks for everything you do in our community. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Seth, and it's always fun to talk to you and look forward to another good conversation. You betcha. I want to go through some of the lessons in your book, but i got to start with something in in the opening in the book, one of the things you write in in the opening of your book. Um, I don't want to uh, embarrass you. You can say if you want when or roughly around when you graduated high school or college. But you write, my generation had it pretty easy. College tuition was low, and when we graduated, there were a lot of big corporations waiting to hire and train us to do our jobs. I'm guessing that you might – that could not have been even economically better, perhaps more opportune times – it was still a pretty rough go throughout the 60s and 70s around here when you think about what you guys all had to go through, whether it was a presidential assassination or whether it was the turmoil in the cities. 1968 was an awful year. Those were challenging times. It might be more challenging now, given everything going on. I'd love your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I graduated from college in 1971, and the 60s were the beginning of some of the radicalization of universities. And that was, <clears throat> that was when it really started, I think, uh, that part. And, um, but that was a minor part of my experience in college. And, um, you know, I lived in a fraternity house, and I was very active on campus. And, um, but after we graduated, though, uh, you know, the U.S. economy really did very well <clears throat> in, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Now, um, I remember telling a friend one time that I thought we had the wind at our back. And we did some of the time, but there were also times when we had the wind in our face. I mean, the, the, you know, the economy cycled, but generally uh, there were a lot of job opportunities. New companies were being started. You know, companies like IBM were just getting started. The tech in- industry was just getting started. Apple was. A- Apple was yeah. brand, wasn't even around then in the, in the 70s, I don't think. <clears throat> but. There was a lot of opportunities, and that's really what brought us to Phoenix was, you know, uh, the housing housing opportunity. You know, I was in the home building business, and housing was booming, and uh, 
in those in those years. And so, um, you know, and and you know, the culture was pretty calm. I mean, I like to say that um, you know the Republicans and Democrats kind of played between the forty yard lines. Mm-hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're a little bit different, and you know they you know little different policy oriented, but. There was no angst. There was no hatred. There was no name calling. There was no nastiness that I can remember, uh, other than just normal politics. But, but uh, we weren't that far apart. And, wh- and what also was common, I think, is that we all were uh, kind of touched by the by World War II. And uh, you know, my father fought in the war in World War II, and all my friends' fathers did too. And so, uh, but we all uh, were. Uh, patriotic, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I can remember sitting in my fraternity house in 1968, I believe, and when the Vietnam War was just getting cranked up and uh, you know, the, and the draft came out and we all got our lottery numbers. And uh, a lot of my friends out of college and high school went straight to Vietnam and uh, a lot of them died there. But So we, Vietnam was, was terrible. I, fortunately, I did not have to go. I didn't have to I, I didn't even get drafted, but um, so we did have those things. So you know, there's always the tragedies. But I, th- I think in hindsight, just a little bit of history. When uh, JFK was uh, assassinated in 1963, and and Lyndon Johnson became president, because of the uh, of the loyalty and love that everyone had for John F. Kennedy. LBJ could basically do anything he wanted, kind of in his name, and so that's when the big, uh, the big welfare started. You know, and, and prior to 1960, th- there was almost no welfare in America. So that, but that's when America st- be, be started to become a nation of welfare recipients, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that has grown and grown and grown, and that's really the <clears throat> the tragedy, I think. Of, uh, that started in the 60s is, is welfare because we could do our, everybody did just fine without welfare and you know in the 60s everybody had a job yeah because they had to yeah and, be, and but but not just a job for the sake of a job but for the sake of, of the dignity of work and the dignity of bringing home a paycheck for your family yeah and also that f- there, there was intact families not a lot of divorces not a lot of uh, single moms. This this really is putting the finger on something important and big when you talk about what our youth face today, youth who are college age, youth who are 18, even just leaving high school and the country they face. There are so many different pressures on them now. Right. Uh, we were just beginning to think about the issue of fatherlessness in the mid-60s. It's grown exponentially since then. There was this famous 1965 Moynihan report where it talked about the problem of fatherlessness and 10% overall roughly, now 30% in the African-American community. Then it was about 25%. Now it's closer to 70%. He said it was a crisis then, as I say. So that's an exponential crisis. Church membership. Here's a statistic I read this year, Tom, that blows me away. In the last 25 years, get this, in the last 25 years, more people have left the church then became Christians during all of the Billy Graham Crusades mm-hmm. and the First Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening combined. Mm-hmm. How do you build a society, a functioning society, 
when you take away those what I like to call forces of combination. Mm-hmm. Religion and church attendance, synagogue attendance, all that is out. Marriage and family is on the decline like never before. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that, that is a set of challenges you didn't face. I don't know if mm-hmm. we can face it. Yeah. Well, any society is built on, I'm going to say, or the American societies has always been built on faith, family, and freedom. Yeah. And faith meaning something in some higher being, family meaning intact families, moms and dads living together, raising their children, and then and then freedom. And I would also say, though, I, I saw one time, it's very, very true, that in order to have freedom, you have to have morality. Yes, sir. And to have morality, you have to have religion. I mean, so, um, and then, you know, I saw an article last night about that, that can America keep its morality? Is America keeping its morality? And, um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, that's that's being debated right now. Yep. But, yep. but really, uh, with the decline in faith and church attendance and just faith in general, yeah. um, you know, wh- where's your standard? Yeah. You know, wh- wh- where do you where do people look to to and uh, you can't just say, well, I'm a good person or I'm kind. I mean, it's uh, it's more more than that. So, <clears throat> you know, I guess segueing from this conversation into my book, yeah. though, I think yeah. there's a lot of what we're talking about that is is uh, in the book Solid Ground. Yeah. And the whole idea of the title there is, you know, um, <clears throat> as a home builder, you know how important a foundation is and how important it is to build a foundation on solid ground. Mm-hmm. You know, we built over 6,000 homes over a period of 25 years. We had a few problems with basements, not many. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have a, a, a house with a bad foundation, you can't fix it. You, I mean, we, we had a few of those, and the customers, uh, we could never satisfy them uh, because the cracks went through the f- through the concrete, through the framing, in, even into the roof and the drywall. And it, it was just like <clears throat> you could not fix it, a bad foundation. And so, um, and then I started looking back at my own journey uh, through my childhood and, and through college and, and my various jobs. And, and you know, the, the value of understanding that <clears throat> we all have a journey, we all have a life story. Mm-hmm. You know, I told my story in the, in the book but I, th- but I think the one of the reasons I wrote that is I wanted people to start thinking about their stories. Let me pause you on that. We're going into a commercial break, and and it's a great segue because you do this through communicating common myths and realities that our youth face. And I'd like to walk through those with you. Mr. Tom Lewis is my guest. His book, Solid Ground: A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have Mr. Tom Lewis, T.W. Lewis, uh, in studio with me. He is uh, the author of Sol- he's many things, uh, as, as many of you already know. His reputation precedes him. But he is also an author of a very important book, Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. Uh, and I wanted to bring him in because we've been talking about a lot about our youth and, and uh, the world we're sending them into, the world we're giving them and showing them and how they can succeed uh, in life. And you were talking, Tom, right before the break about, you know, yes, every there's, there's an interesting, an interesting um, combination of a free society but with individualism and everyone in a free society being able to kind of 
for themselves figure out what is their right road. Not everyone can follow the same road or will be given the same pathway that TW that Tom Lewis was given. But there are a lot of myths you write about, and I agree with every contradiction you make to them. They, they, they constitute the kinds of things. I, I do a college commencement address over the air every year, it's, and we were on the same exact page without having even known each other in those days. Can we talk about some of these myths and realities? I just love it. I sure. Love it. Um, I'll give you my favorite. Okay. Yeah, tell um, me your favorite. You know, we did a lot of scholarships uh, over the years, back starting around 2000, and my wife and I would interview about 40 kids every year, and it was a lot of fun. I'd spend an hour one-on-one with each one every year, and then we'd pick 10, and we'd give them a scholarship to go to college somewhere. And <clears throat> But then about 2010, uh, I noticed a change, and I always like to ask the students, what are you going to do when you grow up? Yeah. What's your plan? Yeah. And <clears throat> originally, they had a plan. They're going to go to med school. They're going to go to law school. They're going to go join the Navy. What They kind of had a plan. They, uh, they had a, a good idea. <clears throat> but then something changed, and they all started saying the exact same thing. And here's what they said. Well, I want to follow my passion, do what I love, and live my dream. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then one kid said, "I want to move to California." That was his. That was his plan. But this idea that you know, it, it just it was me, me, me. I'm gonna follow my passion, live my dream, do what I love. And you know, I thought, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> you're you're 17 years old. You don't know. You're you're 30 years from knowing your your passion, you know, what you're good at. Yeah. you you, you got to get a lot more laps around the track before you even think about that. <clears throat> but that was bad advice. That was just bad advice. They were hearing it from their teachers, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And then, and then I and think— the commencement addresses that kept saying, you can do anything you want. You yeah, can you, be anything you, you can, want. You Follow can, your passion. Yeah, you can yeah. be anything. And yeah. then one of the myths is you cannot be anything. You you can be anything you are naturally good at right. if you earn it. That's right. You know, so this idea that you can be anything you want, wrong. Right. You can be anything you're naturally good at if you earn it. Yeah. Those are my favorites, yeah. too, that you write about, the, those yeah. those myths and realities. Yeah. But, you know, I also want to say, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this book is I, I made a large gift to the University of Kentucky to start an honors college. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I was back there. Uh, this was in 2015. Uh, in in Lexington, Kentucky, where I grew up, and a lot of my f- high school friends were there and whatnot, and I got to thinking, h- how did I have the success that I had? And I looked around at most of my friends, if not all of my friends, and they didn't do that well. Mm-hmm. You know, your high school best friends, mm-hmm. you know, you go back and see them, you know, 30, 40 years later. Yeah, it's an interesting. You know, most <laughs> the of them, king and the queen of the prom may not still be the king and the queen. Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah right, and one, right. one of those guys right. was the king of the prom and, oh, okay. the, and the star quarterback and everything yeah. else. But you know, forty years later, they weren't doing so well. And I, I it got me thinking: what did I do that was different that put me in this position that, to have this, the success that I've had and be able to be as generous as I am? How did how did I do that? What did I do differently than all these other people that didn't do so well? And then I, I just started reflecting on that, and it really came down to, first of all, <clears throat> learning from my life lessons, learning from my journey, uh, taking things to heart. Th- you know, things like 
you know, I had a I had an alcoholic father, like a lot of people do, and that that was really tough on our family. And I, I saw that my dad didn't have the discipline that he needed, and uh, he, he did he just didn't he wasn't disciplined. He, he didn't know how to manage money. So guess what? You know, I'm a junior in high school, and our house gets foreclosed. He goes broke. He files bankruptcy. You know, and um, I said, man, that is never going to happen to me. Yeah. You know, we had to move out of our house when I was 16 because my dad drank too much and went broke. Yeah. And so that kind of got my attention. Yeah. Like, what did he do? What do I need to do differently? Yeah. And um, and then, you know, you, you start thinking about your habits and what were the habits. That, and so in, in the book, Solid Ground, the first uh, the first part is my journey. And I just tell my story. And uh, but I want the listeners and the readers to think about what's your story? What, you know, what did you do? Where did you go? Why did you do it? Who are the people that impacted you? Who are your role models? What did you learn from it? And, um, and I guess I just wanted to be successful so badly because I didn't want to be like my dad that I just paid a lot of attention, you know? And, um, so, um, but then in, in the first part of the book, I tell my story and, and the point is to, to think about your story and uh, what, what are you learning? And then the second part really are the, are the fundamentals. You know, I played high school football and football is all about the fundamentals, blocking, tackling. Um, there's a position in football called fundamental position with your feet spread and your knees bent and your hands hanging down, ready for anything. So... Um, but it's about fundamentals. And so the fundamentals, I thought that the habits were, were just the old school habits, which hard work. And I, I, there's a whole chapter on hard work. You know, a lot of people think, well, what, what can you say about hard work? I'd say, read the chapter. There's a lot to the concept of hard work. And one of the beauties I learned in writing the book really was that not many people have heard this, but When you work hard and you try something hard, that's what I mean by hard work. Try something hard, you fail, and then what? Do you, and then you get knocked down, and then you get back up, and you fail again, and then eventually, if you stay with it, you succeed. Well, well, there's a couple of really, really good things that happened during that little cycle from hard work through failure to success, and here's what they are. Number one, you build your resilience. Your, your confidence and your self-esteem. You know, when you when you do something hard and you and you fail and you ultimately succeed, boy, your self-esteem really goes up and your resilience. So, what are young adults uh, missing today? Almost everyone would say self-esteem and resilience. Let me pick up on that. This is such a big part of this uh, and a big part of your teaching, Mr. Lewis. Um, if I can, because we're going to go to a break. We're talking to Tom Lewis, T.W. Lewis, Solid Ground, a foundation for winning in work and in life. And it kind of goes to the very first question I was asking you about at the beginning of the interview, too, the kind of society you grew up in and the kind of society today's 16-, 17-, and 18-year-olds are growing up in, and the having removed lessons of resilience from them, I think, being a huge challenge. Can we pick up on that when we come right back? You bet. Tom Lewis is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mr. Tom Lewis, T.W. Lewis, is my guest. We're talking about his book, very important book, uh, Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. 
And I was tempted to say, you know, it's a great book for young people, and it most certainly is. Uh, but it's a great book for parents, too, because it's about how to raise, in many respects, how to raise young people. And right before the break, we were talking about what you learn from resiliency, what you learn from hard work. There's no substitute for hard work. What you learn from failure, I've often said it's not unique to me. People have been saying it for millennia. Failure is, in many respects, a much greater teacher than success. I mean, you don't aim for it, but Mm -hmm. you learn. And we were talking how the era in which you grew up in, the era is a little bit different now, not only with just the increased distractions our youth face, but I think we're trying to protect them from too much resiliency, Tom, if you will. Adam Carolla was testifying before Congress some years ago in Testimony I Loved. He said, you know, we're raising a generation drenched in Purell in zero-gravity environments, and they're losing moral bone density. <laughs> and I just thought that was a very good way to put it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we're we losing our antibodies because of the yeah. bubble wrap we put our kids in. Yeah, Failure is important. Hard knocks are important. Yes? Well, you know— um, it's so weird uh, to me. I'll walk in a store and I'll buy something and the cashier will say, be safe out there. Yeah. And like, <laughs> w- w- what should I be afraid of here? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. uh, but everybody's be safe. Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, I get emails from people. It says be safe. Yeah. Like, what are they talking about? So there, there is this ridiculous fear of security that something bad's going to happen. And I think <clears throat> a lot of it goes to the, social media, cell phone, whatever, yep. because, you know, in the, in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, you know, a bomb could go off in, in Israel and no one would know it for a month. And then and then it w- nobody would even care. Today, if a bomb goes off anywhere in the world, it's, you know, it's all over the media. We're getting hammered with it. We're being reminded that the world is such a dangerous place. I mean, so there's, you know, there's, nine billion people in the world uh if any one bad thing happens you know the media just jumps on it and tries tries to scare the heck out of everybody so you get all this bad news that that i think makes people you know tsunami a forest fire whatever people think the country's burning a virus a virus you know that 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 made a big difference we send ourselves into panic way too easily don't we yeah so it's kind of like just you know i mean to me Best thing you could do to raise your children is is buy a farm and yeah. buy some cows right. and make them get up in the morning and milk those cows. You know I, I mean, I, I was just I, talking to my previous <laughs> guest about that yeah. very thing. You know, all these great heroes from the Bible—they were all shepherds. You know, they worked the land. You know, they had yeah. a lot to teach yeah, but, us. Yeah, but going back to kind yeah. of the foundation yeah. I was talking about, though, hard work. I mean, that—that's certainly in, at the very beginning of the, of the foundation. But the real number one thing is what I call personal character. Yep. Yeah. You could also call that morality, but um, you know it only takes one bad thing uh, to do. I mean, you you know you get caught do, or doing one stupid thing, yep. and your life can be never yep. the same. That's right. So, but but it's really um, <clears throat> you know I I just did a second printing of, of our book and I made a few a few very minor edits to it, but I added a quote on happiness, mm-hmm. and that is something I've been thinking about for a long time, and you know we all think about happiness a lot but here's my definition of happiness happiness is the natural result of loving other people being grateful and living a moral life living a moral life leads to happiness 
people go, what? Why is that? Well, think about the opposite. Yeah. Living an immoral the life other way. Yeah. will definitely lead to a miserable life. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't, don't try that, but <clears throat> just, it, it will. And so the opposite is also true. Now, now guess who said that first? Aristotle, 2,500 years ago. Happiness is all about morality. That's great. You know, and so, but I also think it's about being grateful and it's about loving other people. You can't just live in a vacuum and be on your phone all day long and think you're, that's going to make you happy. Yeah, no, that, that, that actually leads to isolation, which we now know is such a great cause for depression. This was a short segment. We have a longer one coming up. You may like this as I go to break with you. My old boss, Bill Bennett, used to say, happiness um, is like get, uh, get, uh, finding happiness, chasing happiness is like chasing a cat. You can't chase it. What you have to do is be calm and solid within yourself, and the cat will come to you. Tom Lewis is my guest. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's your music, Mr. Lewis. There you go. Uh, you and I have a mutual friend uh, who we call the Kentucky Woman. I'll tell you about her. On bre- we may not know we have a mutual friend in this person. <laughs> but in any, way, Tom Lewis, in any event, Tom Lewis is my guest, T.W. Lewis. His book, Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. I want to give you a story because it goes to a myth that you talk about in your book, uh, the myth, you can build your resilience by taking a class or reading a book. So I'm an undergraduate. I graduate college. I stay on because I'm so enamored with my professors for grad school, and I get a grad degree. And I call an old uh, friend of mine who's working in Washington, D.C. He was a babysitter of mine growing up, and now he's in the think tank world in D.C. and an author and you know, kind of doing the kind of stuff I thought I might be doing someday. And I said, uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm off to law school. He said, wait what? I said, I'm off to law school. He goes, you just finished undergrad. You just went to graduate school. Now you're off to law school. I said, yeah. He said, stop, full stop. Go sell some soap. I said, what do you mean go sell some soap? He goes, I'm speaking metaphorically. Go get a job. Do something in the real world. It doesn't matter. You can't go from degree to degree to degree and expect to have success in this world. So, son of a gun, I moved to Texas, and I got a job in the mailroom. I was probably the most credentialed mailroom employee in in the state of Texas. But, boy, it taught me a lot. And then I did go to law school, by the way. I did close the story out. Boy, what good advice that was. Go do something. You can't just get it from the classroom. Yes? You like that, I bet. Oh, oh God, yeah. I mean— I did sell all, soap. I, I'll never forget it. I did all those things. I, I was a jackhammer operator on yeah. a pipeline crew when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, making $3.18 an hour. Um, you know, I, I swept houses when I first joined a, a home building company. Uh, for, I did that for six months just as I was a laborer. And that really was how I learned how to build houses was being out there in the field. So all those, you know, Trammell Crow, the great real estate tycoon of the 60s, 70s, and 80s that I knew and worked for, said, if you want to own an office building someday, <clears throat> start out washing the windows. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, I didn't end up owning the cellular phone company that I worked at, but, but the point... By the way, Mr. Lewis, uh, with all these challenges and distractions that our youth face and all of the things that they confront these days, and the state of the economy that we live in is it just as easy now with the right morality and right behavior or is there an added challenge do you think 
to achieving the American dream than someone who graduated college in 1971, let's say? You know, I mean, thanks for asking that question, um, because <clears throat> the, the book Solid Ground is about principles. Yeah. And principles are timeless. Yeah. And I think they worked for me, you know, 40 years ago and, and 10 years ago, uh, and they, they, they still work today. And again, I'm going to go back to the first part of the book. Yeah. I talked about personal character. In the book, um, I break down personal character, like I break down everything in this in this book. And you know, there's two types of of character. There's there's moral character, and there's performance character. Mm-hmm. You know, hard. When, when somebody says, "Oh, he's he's got great personal character. He's a hard worker." Well, being a hard worker is a performance trait. It makes you a better worker. It does not make you a better person. Right. Humility will make you a better person. It doesn't make you a better worker. There's two types of morality. I didn't make that up. I read it in somebody. Somebody else made it up, but I used it. So moral and performance character. But the more you know about character, the more you pick the traits and define them and then try to get better. I mean, so that morality is a big thing. And and as an employer, um, if I saw an employee that, you know, I, 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 I judge my employees based on their character. If they, if I asked them, if they said they were going to do something by a certain time and they didn't, that was kind of a, a ding on, on their character because, you know, that's integrity, mm-hmm. doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going you're gonna to do it. So people are watching uh, how, you, how you operate. Your bosses, your friends, they expect you to have a good character. Talk about hard work. The other thing I'll touch on briefly is goal setting. Mm. You know, a man without a goal is like a ship without a rudder. Mm. How would you like to be floating in the Pacific in a boat with no rudder? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think that's going to work out for you? So you have to have goals. And I was always good at that. <clears throat> I still get excited setting goals. Goals for the day, goals for the week, goals for the year, goals for the, the next 10 years and then my favorite is goals for someday mm-hmm. you know I knew when I was 24 years old and I got my master's degree that someday I wanted to own my own company mm-hmm. I didn't know what to be doing I just that that was my someday goal so goal setting is a big deal <clears throat> now the real key in in the solid ground book though <clears throat> is about finding your talent forget your passion find your talent your talent we all have it is something that you're just really naturally good at with little or no effort. We've all got something. If you don't know what yours is, ask your parents, ask your siblings, ask your friends. They will tell you. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody's really good at something. So, but it's not, it's, you know, your talent is, does take time to really figure out what you're, what you are really good at. And, uh, but, so success is going to end up being combining your talent with your with your work ethic and with your and with your values and values is an, is the other part of the foundation which is really i call it self awareness but we all have core motivating values um and there's there's tests you can take on that but when you match your values with your natural talent you're going to be the best you can be would you also, Mr. Lewis, Tom Lewis, suggest that there's a respect for wisdom in this question 
and I have always believed in and I have succeeded with and because of mentors. It's important to have a mentor. Wouldn't you say that that's part of it too, someone who guides um, you? And you know what, though? I'm going to challenge you. Challenge on, me on I'm going to challenge you on that one because here's the subtle difference. Yes, sir. I never had a mentor. Okay. Okay. A mentor to me is somebody that is that is teaching me. Okay. I'm responsible for teaching myself. Okay. That was the way I looked at it always. But I had role models. Okay. You know, I had a lot of different people, bosses of mine, uh, individuals that I looked up to, and they weren't trying to train me or they weren't taking me aside and telling me what to do. I watched them. Yeah. I paid attention to them, and I. But it was my my responsibility, not theirs. So role models is. I, I think that's a fair emendation, and that's a good, by the way, trait of identifying someone with good character, someone you want to watch, right? Tom Lewis, it's been wonderful having you in here. Thank you so much, author of Solid Ground: A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. And I hope this will be another bookmark, and you'll come back again soon. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Always fun. Thank you, sir. Take care. Be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi has a secure investment opportunity, and it actually helps people. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi, and uh, their investment is not tied to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's got a ton of flexibility, too, where you're in total control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. There are no fees. There's no attack on principal if you ever need your money back. And you get your monthly statement with no surprises. It's a secure and collateralized portfolio. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call them at 888-YREFI-24. Folks all over the country are earning a high fixed rate of return with Y-Refi, and they don't care about what happens with the stock market or the Federal Reserve because it's not correlated to that. And with Y-Refi, you can do well by doing good. Investyrefi.com, 888-YREFI-24. I was just thinking about those two interviews, two very different men, uh, Rabbi Elush and uh, Tom Lewis. And yet, interesting the same lessons in some respects that are uh, taught by them. Um, morality, right, as the basis, as the foundation, the indispensable foundation for for success, but not just success, but for existence. Um, existence in something more than um, more than just you know being. Existence in the sense of being good. It's a wonderful thing Harvard president once said, no, no, I'm sorry, an educator, famous educator, philosopher once said, he said, but being good isn't the be-all and end-all either. You have to be good for something. You have to be good for something. But you can't be good for something if you aren't intact ethically and morally. I, I've always liked the word integrity. Integrity is an important word. Chuck Colson used to give college commencement addresses where he would say, talk about the word integrity as a naval term. Ship's captain before a ship would set off would, would ask, does the ship, does the boat have integrity? 
means is it watertight? No leakage, none. Think about that concept, integrity, being integral, whole, no leaks for yourself, for your own character. It's something to think about. Watch all these neo-Marxists trying to change the world, and you zoom in just a little bit closer on what they're all about. Sometimes, yes, when they're yelling, but even when they're not yelling, when they're not in front of the cameras. I think something's wrong with them. There is. Something is wrong with them. And um, it starts probably with integrity. Lack of it leads you into terrible places. Until Until Monday, God bless you all. I'm Seth. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.